What's good, family? And welcome to another episode of Jimmy Bond's Podcast right here on WPEB Radio 88.1 FM, 95.1 FM, West Philadelphia. What's good? What's good? What's good? I got my boy Tate T. Tati T.Y. in the building. What's up, Ty? How you feeling? All good in the neighborhood, JB. Live from the 215. Live from the 215. You know how we do. Shout out to all of our friends and family that's listening on a regular basis. Shout out to our new family, our old family, all the people that continue to listen and support us. Remember, family, you can call us with your comments or your questions at 215-472-0881. Again, it's 215-472-0881. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. It's J-I-W-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com and again family we are continuing our project here at wpeb radio 88.1 fm 95.1 fm every voice every vote west philly voices ty this is our last segment our last our last interlude for this particular project we've done and it's been a journey yes but tonight to finish the, the the project off we have a very special guest and I'm ecstatic to have her on. I've been sitting here. She's been talking to us about what she's done, what her career has been like. And I'm kind of taken back. Um, I had a whole plan of how I was going to approach it, but she kind of like took that plan and like threw it a whole other way. But that's okay. <laughs> um, but family, let me give you a little bit about our guest. Introduce her. Let her talk about her project, her organizations, what she does. Um, so let's get right to it. Um, <laughs> this is this is dope. So first. Ms. Kadita Kenner is the CEO of New, New Pennsylvania Project and is a tireless advocate for social justice, democracy, economic justice, and for fair education funding, just to name a few. In 2022, her organization, New Pennsylvania Project, collected over 20,000 voter registration forms for, for Pennsylvanians. Kadita is also the co-chair of Why Courts Matter, Pennsylvania, that is an advocacy campaign that is seeking to protect the independence of our state and federal courts and educate the electorate about, about their importance. Recently, Kadir was named one of 150 most influential Philadelphians by Philadelphia Magazine. In her previous career, she was a coordinating producer for CIAA Regional Television Network in North Carolina, as well as she was a field organizer, a digital organizer for the North Carolina Democratic Party. She has a degree in broadcast journalism from Temple University, and she is a native of Westchester. I like to say she's an advocate, a crusader, a gatekeeper for democracy, an organizer, a promoter for progress, a writer, a director, a realist, an optimist, and a community leader. I like to describe her as relentless, outspoken, committed, forward-thinking, relatable, and tuned, and intentional. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the CEO of the New Pennsylvania Project, Miss Kadia Kenner. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Hey, I need that in writing. I can have that for later. I need that in writing. Listen, she has been. Um, she she just came from Harrisburg, so she she's been traveling. She is a worker. You know, we get close to the election. So as you get close to the election, people start working even harder. So with that being said, I can't thank her enough for taking her time out this evening to come and talk to us about. What her what her uh, organization does. So, Ty, go ahead, man. Just go ahead, Jamal. Day. I know you got some questions. Miss <laughs> Kenna, how you doing this evening? I'm good. Kadita is fine. All right, yes. Okay. So, um, tell us about why do the courts matter? Yeah. 
Uh, the courts are the place people go for justice. And um, as a black woman leading um, a voting rights organization, uh, the courts are going to be instrumental in ensuring that our rights remain protected and that we continue to have the freedom um, to vote and all the other rights that are important to us as a community. Um, the courts matter because they're making many decisions about our lives. Mm -hmm. It was the courts that at one point um, said we were three-fifths of a person. Mm. And then it was the courts at another point that said you're a whole person mm. and then gave us our right to vote. So um, I'm always going to be advocating for an independent judiciary and um, a judicial system that we can believe in because this is uh, the place that we go for justice. Yes, for sure, well, for sure. What are your thoughts on the state of the black community? As a whole? Yes. Just, oh, whole. wow. That's, yeah. All right. Let's yeah. see how much time we got. That was question number two. <laughs> yes, I get it. <laughs> um, the state of the black community. Well, you know, we're not a monolith. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll say the state of the black community in this moment is hopefully a hopeful state. Um, here we are in 2023, and we've made progress. Um, every decade, every century, we make progress as a people. Um, and I hope that we continue um, that way. And I hope that, in particular this year, and what some folks will consider a, an off-year election, that we make our voices heard so we can continue to progress. Um, and the state of black people today, you know, it, it's different everywhere. So I'm, this is a statewide organization that I'm leading. So we're leading different lives out in Pittsburgh versus what we're living here in Philadelphia. Yeah. What we're living in suburban uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I've lived in all of it. So I was born out in Pittsburgh, grew up in suburban Philadelphia, um, went to school here in Philadelphia, Temple. So, you know, our lives are different everywhere. Uh, for a black woman, um, Pittsburgh was one of the worst places you could live. Mm. It was rated as one of the worst places for a black woman to live. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've, I've never heard that before. Yeah, that? Um, lots to have to do with maternal health, um, the rate of, of which women are dying in childbirth. Um, and you think about the environment in which we're living in. Um, you know, environmental justice doesn't probably get its due, but the environment in which black folks are living in is not the safest. Yeah. Pennsylvania Constitution guarantees us clean air and water. That's written in the Pennsylvania Constitution. Black folks are not living... In, no. in areas of Pennsylvania, in which we are breathing clean air and drinking clean water. And and based on some of the research I did, even on climate change, a lot of our neighborhoods are surrounded by the toxic places that, that are factories um, next to rivers where they do disposal of, of toxic waste. Um, just th that's where our neighborhoods are. So that's I, I can definitely agree with you. I've noticed that too. Yeah. You know, my mom grew up in suburban uh, Philadelphia area, Paoli, Chester County. Yeah. And um, she grew up near, um, you know, environmental inequities. Mm -hmm. And she grew up with asthma, mm -hmm. as did most of her siblings, right? And you think about the rates of cancer and things that are caused later in life, a lot of that having to do with the environmental injustice issues that black folks are dealing with in Pennsylvania and across the country. Yeah, that's not, that's yeah. not talked about, Ty. No. It's not talked it's about. Not. You know, it's not covered. Tell me, tell me this. Um, can you elaborate on the importance of expanding the electorate? Yeah. There are, um, what is it, 1.7 million Pennsylvanians who are either not registered to vote or voting very infrequently and at risk of being dropped off the voter rolls. 1.7. That's a lot of Pennsylvanians. That is. Who could be out here casting ballots and making a change in their communities. Very much. 
And if we, as an organization, we, the New Pennsylvania Project, we center communities of color in our work. We center black, indigenous, and other communities of color. We center the youth. We center immigrant communities in our work. And these are the historically disenfranchised communities. And these are the communities that have the largest voter registration gap in the Commonwealth. And when I tell you, you know, that more than 20% of all black folks in Pennsylvania are eligible to vote but not registered. Mm, So you you get a room of five, right? And somebody in that room is not registered to vote. And that number grows for black men. Oh, we we know. We 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 ask I've asked probably every guest that's come on about the 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 vast the dramatic cr- contrast between black women voting and black men voting mm-hmm. and how that is it's it's an enormous difference. Now, you know, number wise people might be like, "Well, it's not that much." Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's close to like 65, 70 for black women and maybe about 40 for black men. Registration rates Rates, voting. Voting, yeah, the turnout. (laughs) Yeah. 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 All those numbers are all very different, and they change every year. Uh, But what's consistent is that we need more folks of color casting the ballot and making their voices heard at the ballot box. What are the the issues that, because you do a lot of canvassing. You do a lot of canvassing. So when you go door to door, you're talking to these these constituents, these voters, potential voters. What kind of, what are the issues, what what are they telling you? What, What are their concerns? Yeah. So our organization is modeled after the New Georgia Project and, uh-huh. and the work of N.C. Ufad and Stacey Abrams. And what they did as an organization when they were founded more than a decade ago now is they started knocking on doors and talking about Obamacare, the ACA. And that's how they got black Georgians registered to vote. They talked about that issue and said, you need health care. You need to now get registered to vote and you need to go vote. And so that's how they changed things there in Georgia. Mm. So for us, our issue advocacy you know, uh, it's not the ACA right now. Exactly. So for us, it is, it's pocketbook issues. Yeah. Always is yeah. going to be number one. So if there's any folks running for office out there right now listening, it's always going to be pocketbook issues, As they number would say, one. What they say, kitchen table issues? Kitchen table, <laughs> yeah, kitchen table issues. Yeah. And it's it's all about the money, yeah. right? So I'm a, journal, I'm a journalist by trade, yeah. so it's follow the money. <laughs> so follow the money, right? So we have Pennsylvania, um, one of the few states in the country still stuck at a seven twenty five an hour minimum wage. Philadelphia, one of the only first class cities in the country, still stuck at seven twenty five an hour minimum wage. Why, as a seventeen or eighteen year old young person, why would I get up in the morning and go work for eight hours Talk about it. to take home forty nine dollars after taxes? Talk right. about it. Yes. How I mean, that's not slavery. I don't know what slavery is. You know, how, how it's not even preposterous. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it might as well be slave. You know, you might as well. For seven for $49, you said, after taxes? For, was that one week? <laughs> that's, that's a day. That's a day, yeah. That's, that's wage slave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wage yeah. slave. I mean, might as yeah. well be. Because I, I noticed something even you talked about, and, and this is something I think I, I, I made a connection to. You correct me if I'm wrong. But your years in the restaurant industry... <laughs> I felt like reading some of, of what the organization supports, particularly for economic justice, mm-hmm. I felt like your experience played a major role in that because you you had the experience of being being in in the cool. restaurants and how they make two dollars and eighty three cents an hour mm-hmm. and how they don't get all their tips. Mm-hmm. So so I made that connection. Am I correct in that connection? You are correct, right? Because everything we do is a transferable skill. Yes. Right. So if I did not live before and then when I was waiting tables, right, I used to wait tables at Denny's. Mm. Okay. Mm. Denny's. I used to wait tables at Denny's. Yeah. I put myself through college the first time waiting tables at Denny's. And I was making two thirty eight 
an hour plus tips. That was about right. Yeah, right. I was making two thirty-eight an hour plus tips, yeah. waiting tables at Denny's. Um, so I've lived this. Yeah. So what I'm fighting for is something I've lived. It's your experience. It's my experience. For sure. And so I'm going to bring this experience to this organization and to our staff so that we can communicate these issues. And and, and that's something I, I it just hit home. I was like, she's had this experience before, mm-hmm. which is why it's so prominent and, and so face fronting because it's like, hey, this is a major issue. I tell people all the time. I, I tell Ty. Um, every guest that comes on, I, t- I give them my, my political platform. Uh, you know, if I was running for office, mm-hmm. this would be my political platform. It'd be a uh, four-day work week, you know, and $25 an hour minimum wage. Now, some people might think that's crazy, $25, but I just saw that the uh, auto workers in Michigan, <laughs> they just got $60 an hour. Mm-hmm. So if they can get that, I know that I can get 25 Oh, yeah. You know, so I, I say all that to say that, we 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 seem to be lagging any kind of aggression in that department, and I I don't see any of our candidates making that a primary issue for their people. Like if if I just gave you my platform, if that was their platform, yeah. they wouldn't have a problem about who do, who who was going to vote for them. Right. They they would get automatic voters. Yeah. So I don't. I'm I'm trying to. Of course, but then there's the, the plan, problem though. You can plan. you can have a plan. You yeah. can say what you want to do. Of course, but you, you need to get like. How many folks in the Harrisburg? You need to get 206 people behind you, yeah. right? So um, you got to be a great negotiator you, to do you, that. You do. <laughs> and, and here's the thing: uh, we've been fighting to raise the minimum wage in Pennsylvania for more than 13 years. 13 years. More than God. 13 years, and it hasn't budged. And every time there's a little bit of progress, a step back happens. And so a few years ago, we had um, at least one of the, uh, the bicamerals uh, in Harrisburg say, "Okay, we'll raise the minimum wage." I think it was like 950 was the offer. We'll go to nine fifty an hour, and we'll have an elevator, and and eventually get to a different rate. I'm, I'm, but I'm trying to understand. I'm, I'm the, these are government officials who read the budgets, mm-hmm. who know how much things cost, who understand what's on the constituents. Now, I don't mean to get so so amped about this, but I think I have to. I don't understand why this is not an issue for them. Like even the conservative side, because mm-hmm. even even red or blue, whatever you decide, your bottom dollar is the bottom line for you. Yeah. So as a, as a constituent, as a citizen, why why is this not? Why do they not take that seriously? Why do they feel like that's not important? There are other pressing issues that they would say we have other pressing. This oh. is their, their regular their regular lingo. So much of the issues that are issues are because we have a seven twenty five an hour minimum wage. Your your <laughs> issue is crime in the city. <laughs> Well, if we were paying people money yep. to go to work, yep. to work, you know, an honest day's living, Dr. King said there is dignity in all work. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? So if we were actually paying people what they were worth um, and having them have a job in which, you know, they can go to every day, yeah. right, and do, you would see less situations. I mean, you got 15 and 16-year-olds hanging outside just waiting to flash mob. I would, you know, if you're making seven twenty five is is your option. Yeah, you're gonna flash mob. You're gonna flash mob. You are. Yeah. And and I'm not advocating it, but I'm telling you, that's, yeah. th- those are the results. You know, th- that's the outcome. It starts there. It's it start well. It's there. It's also our public school system. Uh, we have the most uh, yes. inequity of probably. You know, we're one of the bottom five in the country. Yeah. Our public school system here yeah. in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, you can live on one side of City Avenue and go to Lower Marion, and your high school has swimming pools, and your um, you got golf. Uh, clubs and yeah. you know golf, golf teams, teams yep, yep. right? And and still, Lower Marion schools are underfunded according to what they should be funded. And then you cross the other side of City Line Avenue and you see Overbrook, yep. yes. and you have metal detectors and holes, <laughs> yes. yep. right? And 
it's all about the happenstance of your birth. Yep. You, were, you just happened to be born into a family that could afford to live in Lower Marion Township. Or you were born to a family that you're living in another school district where you have metal detectors and you have mold. And it's the happenstance of your birth. And so we fund public education based upon uh, property tax. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. So we have to stop that practice. That is, yes. that is, that is a, a yes. horrible practice. Right. I, read, I read somewhere on your site, correct me if I'm wrong, other, other states in the country, 50% of their, their state budget goes to education. It's probably about that. Pennsylvania, I think, is around 33. If that. If that. If that. Yeah, we don't, we don't spend enough uh, money on public schools. And then we have rich guys like uh, Jeffrey Yaz and others, billionaires, who want to take money out of public schools and put it into charter schools or put it into schools in which you can legally discriminate um, and, and, um, and decide whether or not, you know, you admit certain people into your schools. Yes. Right? Yes. Don't give any of my tax dollars to something like that. Yes. That's real. Mm. Right. Oh, my goodness. Ty? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, bro. <laughs> and that's one of the biggest issues that I have is education. I feel as though we don't even we don't control the curriculum. We don't get to set the standards for our children. And how do you feel about the educational curriculum itself as far as dealing with young black kids? Yeah. Um, we've taken a lot of things out of the curriculum. You know, we've taken civics out of schools, um, where kids aren't learning about government. Um, and therefore they're not getting registered to vote because they don't learn about that. Um, I think that, you know, there's definitely opportunities. I think we need to allow for teachers to teach in their classrooms. Um, you know, yeah. I, think, I think parents, you know, parents know what they want their, their students to learn, but there's some things that students need to learn that the parents <laughs> aren't aware of and need, and need them to teach them. I think parents, and being the son of a teacher, I think right. parents need to back off a little bit because even as much as, as they're banning books and, and trying to cut things in the curriculum, mm -hmm. there's some things that need to stay yeah. and some things that are just basic knowledge for your child to take to the next level or when they graduate high school. Right. And with them, those things being removed, your kid's going to be lacking. Yeah. Your child's going to be lacking in certain just basic principles, yeah. the basic, you know, everyday things, as we would say. You well, know? How can kids compete, you know, when they don't have textbooks in their, in their schools? Mm -hmm. Right, and you have other school districts. Everybody gets a laptop, yep, or right? tablet, or tablet, yep. or whatever, and you yep. can't even get a textbook in your school. Yeah, I was. I'm grateful that my parents were able to afford to live in Chester County, and I could attend Chester County Public Schools. I mean, the difference between Philadelphia County Public Schools and even Upper Darby Public Schools is night and day. Mm -hmm. the, I mean, we're talking about probably a five minute drive, mm -hmm. but it's completely night and day. Yeah. And I can say that my child was in a public school in Philly for about three months, and I moved. And completely different child. Yeah. Completely different child. Daddy, there's no more fights in school. She's one o'clock. One, one o'clock. First grade talking about fights in school. So for me, I was like, I got to get her out of this school. Yeah. She doesn't talk about that now. That's not a conversation she has. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen. And um, I mean, now she's taking violin. She's exposed to a lot of different things. I mean, and I say what I have to say that yes, being, you have to be thankful for those type of opportunities, as we would say. Because yeah. POCs, people of color. Yeah. We don't we don't get those opportunities, you know. I always tell Ty, I'm, I know I'm grateful for the education I got, even from the high school level, because I know it did me wonders as I when I left. Oh yeah. Um. So just just having those basic things, you can tell that there there is a lack in between that. These kids graduate, they're not ready. They're not ready for school. No. They're not ready for life. No. They're not ready for for what's coming. Mm -hmm. They're not. You know, I'm gonna talk about adulting, right? That adulting thing, mm -hmm. and. 
a lot of a lot of people are having a hard time adulting mm-hmm. because adulting is not easy. And when they get out there to see the resources and resources and what they learned previously does not equate to what they right. need. And that's something that, that I've always been like, man, this is crazy. Yeah. We have to do better than this, mm-hmm. especially within the city of Philadelphia. Um, majority, I'm not going to say majority African-American, but a large African-American population, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and I'll ask you a question about that changing demographic mm-hmm. a little while. Mm-hmm. But the, a large, a large African-American population, we don't seem to put the emphasis on that. Um, I don't even know we even put the emphasis on the school board or the superintendent mm-hmm. or I mean we all know schools have to get better but what are we doing to do that yeah you know yep so and you're in Harrisburg frequently mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and you're speaking not just on behalf of, of what you know from this region but yeah. for all the regions in the, in the state well that's why I talk about the importance of the courts because it was the Commonwealth Court in Pennsylvania that ruled that we are not funding our schools properly and that the legislators need to do something about it so they, they send it back to legislation Yes, they and, and told them to fund these schools because it is not funded properly. How long ago did they tell them that? Oh, they, they just had it. It was just this year. Just recently. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask you um, if you can define, some people don't know this word. They hear it. They're like, what in the world is this? Can you define what gerrymandering is? Yeah. Can you tell us what that is? I know what it is, but yeah. I, 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 wanted, I love your words from it. All right. So this is why it's so important that we vote for these judges in this election. Because it was the Pennsylvania Supreme Court that ruled that our congressional maps, our previous congressional maps, were gerrymandered. Uh, so what is a gerrymander? Yes. A gerrymander is elected officials choosing their constituents and not the constituency choosing their elected officials. It is where a legislator sitting in Harrisburg is determining what a map looks like and saying, I'm going to draw out this black community and I'm going to or I'm going to put this black community in a very white community and draw out the voices of the black folks who live in that area. They have gerrymandered those people out of a district where they need to be because it makes sense. Um, there was a map um, that said uh, it was a map. The previous map before they ruled it unconstitutional. It was uh, it was Donald Duck kicking Goofy or Goofy kicking Donald Duck the way it was shaped. And it, what they what they did is they carved out communities like they literally carved out communities of color and put them into communities in which their voices would be um, drawn out. Suppressed. Yeah, suppressed. Yeah. They suppress votes. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. so gerrymandering is elected officials choosing who they want to be their constituents versus us, the voters, choosing, choosing who we want to be our elected officials. Which is, which is voter suppression. Right. Not, a lot of people don't think about it like oh, yeah. that, but it is. Oh, yeah. Alabama has been dealing with that lately. Yeah. Um, I know Georgia dealt with that before. Yeah. Uh, I definitely know it's been something prevalent in Pennsylvania. Oh, you ready for this one? Louisiana. So Yeah, for sure. I love Louisiana. Um, <laughs> New Orleans is probably my favorite city in America. For sure. So I love it there. My last name is Kenner. When you fly into New Orleans, you fly into Kenner, Louisiana. <laughs> um, history there. Yeah. Um, so Louisiana, I was just there a few weeks ago um, at a conference, and I learned that they're dealing with a gerrymandering situation in, in Louisiana where they should actually have another congressional district that should have a person of color leaving that district if they drew the map correctly, that it should be a majority black district, and that they should have another congressperson out of Louisiana be a person of color. This is the length that they're going to in Louisiana to make sure that doesn't happen. They're changing, they're trying to change the definition of what a black person is. Oh, no. So it used wow. to be the one-drop rule, right? So if you wow. had one drop of black and you were a black person? Yeah. Well, in Louisiana, to get around that... Um, they are trying to say that you are not black if you're, if not both of your parents are black 
um, you're black only if both of your parents are black or you're black if one of your parents is white and one of your parents is black. But if one of your parents is black and one is Latino, you're not black. If one of your parents is black and one of your uh, parents is um, part of the API community, you're not black. They're trying to change the definition of what it is to be black in order to not give up the power. Does your hair texture qualify for this? (laughs) (laughs) Yo! You know what else is funny about Louisiana? Yeah. Yes, who's the Speaker of the Congress now? Oh, but that's right. Yeah. Right out of Louisiana. Yes. Yeah, another so, another election denier. Yes, another election denier. Yeah. I, oh, uh, talk about the irony, right? <laughs> Just, but but I, that, that, I'm, I'm not mind blown by that because they, when I say they, I mean there, there are people within those infrastructures of government that are really trying to take us back to 1950. Oh. Or before, or before, you know, probably before Reconstruction, yeah. And that's what "Make America Great" means. Right. Make America MAGA. That's what it means. Make America Great Again. Mm-hmm. It means for us to go back to the times where we were, we were viewed as slaves, second class citizens. Second class citizens. Yeah. And if, if we were, so was everyone else. Mm-hmm. Per- people of color. Mm-hmm. To hear you tell me that Louisiana is trying to define <laughs> what a black person is. If you don't want to vote after that, if you feel like I, I still don't want to vote. I still there. There's a state that is trying to define who you are yeah. on paper, who you are. Yeah. If you don't want to vote after that, if you say I'm not going to vote after that, because see, th- this is what happens. They don't understand that those definitions also not just gerrymandering, mm-hmm. but it also affects um, funding for certain aspects. Oh yeah. It also affects resources that are given oh, to, yeah. the, to to the black community oh, or yeah. people of color communities. Um, it That's also, the census, right? It's, it's census. That's it, the census. It affects education. Mm-hmm. It affects it affects everything down the line yeah. because the way they look at it, they base it on race. So right. they base it on race, and there are you know yeah. we have a small population right. of black people who are are both black, right. not one, one <laughs> not you know not biracial. If that's small, in that in that case, Obama wouldn't be black. Right. He's not black, right? You know. So so what? It, here's my thing: if they're not black, what are you trying to call them? Yeah. What, what do you what do you what do you say? Something other than black, so that you don't have to have a black congressional district. They've been well. They reclassify us. They've been doing that for years. They have. You know, we went from Indian reclassified to Negro, mm-hmm. reclassified to Black, reclassified to African American in 1980 when Jesse was running, and then we're back and forth from between African American and Black. Yeah. And from my knowledge, Black has no standing in the law. You know, neither does African American. And I feel as though that they use these things against us because oh, yeah. we're still fighting for the same things that we were fighting for in the 60s. Yeah. And my question is, was there more racism in the 60s than there is now? It's yeah. just different. It's just different. different. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's if, just different. It's not more or less. Yeah. And it's, it's not suppressed either. No. It's, you know, Trump gave the green light to let everything come out. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather be out, though, than not, and not I be would out. Too. I'd rather be able to see it. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm up against, you know, because <laughs> sometimes I'd rather you be a racist, right. and I know you're a racist, right. that way I can deal with you as a racist, than you have that closet racism mm-hmm. that, that a lot of, people have because I'm, I'm, and that's not just about white people and, and people that are of other hue it's really everybody has some kind of system mm-hmm. that they operate mm-hmm. in and we, you know you understand the social economics or the social justice aspect so I'm, I'm speaking to the choir here <laughs> um, <laughs> tell, tell me this then I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this and you tell me what you think when you created the name of your organization New Pennsylvania Project what does New Pennsylvania look like to you? Yeah. Well, again, so New Pennsylvania named an homage of the New Georgia Project. There's also a New North Carolina Project, too. 
Nah, I, and we're, we're growing all over the I place. I was to say, you're you affiliates, right. Yeah, so right. we're not affiliated, we're, <laughs> but we're, we're, you know, we're good partners out there in the ecosystem. That's, that's all you need. Okay. So to me, what is New Pennsylvania Project? Um, you know, our tagline is expanding the electorate so it matches the demographics of Pennsylvania. Yes. So Pennsylvania is getting darker. Yes. And our electorate does not look like. No. Um, or our elected officials don't look like. Um, no. The demographics of Pennsylvania. So the last census told us about 25% of Pennsylvania are people of color. They identify as being a person of color. Our legislature does not look like that in Harrisburg. Um, and so we just got our first black woman congresswoman out of Pittsburgh just, you know, last years ago, right? It just happened. Um, so to me, New Pennsylvania looks like uh, it matches the, the electorate. It matches the citizenry that lives here. It matches yeah. the residents of Pennsylvania and that we all have an opportunity that we can have a Pennsylvania in which folks aren't making seven twenty-five an hour. Oh, goodness. That we have a Pennsylvania that we equally fund our public schools so that every child, no matter what zip code they were born into, has an equal shot um, at this American dream they talk about. Wow. That American that's new, dream. That's new Pennsylvania. <laughs> that we have elected officials who um, have lived our life experiences. We have um, judges who look like us. So that on my worst day, um, I'm standing before a judge, I think that maybe this judge gets me. Maybe they had my same uh, lived experience, and they're going to understand. And maybe they're not going to give me a cash bail that I can't afford and keep me locked up in jail while I have three kids to take care of. Mm -hmm. That's vital. Yeah. That's vital. It is. And I, and, and I appreciate you sharing, sharing that because I thought about it when I read the name of the organization. I was like, I wonder what that looks like visually for you. Mm -hmm. You know, when, you, when you're, whenever them days come down the road and you're retired, you know, your work is done. What when you look back, what are you gonna you know, yeah. what do you want what do you see? And that you definitely yeah. define that. So Well, you know, it's I'm I'm trying to organize myself out of a job. You know? Definitely. I'm trying to organize myself out of this job. Um, New Pennsylvania looks like to me that we have much better access to the ballot. Mm. It is too hard to get registered to vote in it Pennsylvania. Is. And it is too hard to cast a ballot here in Pennsylvania. So a New Pennsylvania to me looks like easier access to the ballot and access to democracy. Yeah. Ty? Are we going to see your name on the ballot anytime soon? Never. <laughs> yeah. I'm I glad will, she said yeah, that. Yeah, I will never. The last time I ran for office was in the 12th grade. <laughs> and that will be the last time I run for office. Yes. That's love. That's love. Well, listen, fam, we're going to take a quick break. Remember, you call us with your comments or your questions at 215-472-0881. Again, that's 215-472-0881. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. It's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. And again, family, we're continuing our conversation, our project here, Every Voice, Every Vote, West Philly Voices. We're sitting here with the CEO of, of the New Pennsylvania Project, Miss Kadita Kenner. Thank you so much for joining us. You are killing it, dropping bars as we say. So I can't listen. Time getting ant, man. I gotta calm down a little bit. She 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 on she on the level I'm always like, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> listen, family, we're gonna be right back. This is T. Rama with your public service announcement. Philadelphia Unemployment Project. Haven't received your unemployment yet? Can't navigate the new UC website. Since 1975, the Philadelphia Unemployment Project has organized the poor and unemployed to fight for economic justice, bringing diverse groups together to bring about major changes that benefit millions of unemployed and impoverished people. PUP can act as a conduit between you and the unemployment office. To receive assistance on an employment claim, 
call 215-557-0822 or visit fillerup.org to learn more about how PUP can help you with unemployment, housing, SNAP, utilities, or community. This has been a public service announcement from WPEB 88.1, West Philadelphia's Community Radio. And welcome back to Jimmy Bond's podcast right here on WPEB Radio 88.1 FM, 95.1 FM, West Philadelphia. Remember, family, you can call us with your comments or your questions at 215-472-0881. Again, it's 215-472-0881. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. It's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. And we're here to continue our conversation with Miss Kadita Kenner, CEO of New, of New Pennsylvania Project. So as we get into this next segment, I'm going to do a little word connotation. I'm going to throw some things at you. You tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay? okay. And they're not hard. They're All not right. Okay. Voter turnout. Necessary. Canvassing. Taxing. Mm, I, I thought she was going to say exhausting, right? Yeah. Democracy. Essential. Gerrymandering. Problematic. Judges. Independent. Here's the last one. I'm going to throw a name at you. You tell me what, what, what the first thing that comes to your mind. John Fetterman. Courageous. Yeah, you said courageous. Mm-hmm. Courageous right now. Yeah, courageous yeah, right now. Courageous right now. Yeah, he yeah. get he get a lot of flack for what's going on in Israel, but mm-hmm. he he is sticking by his guns. That's one thing I can always say. I'm getting my Fetterman on right now, my hoodie. So I'm I'm I, I I've always thought of this man to be kind of eccentric, as people would say. But he is he is his own person. Yeah. And I felt like if we had more of them, our democracy would be a lot further ahead. He, uh, shout out to John Fetterman. He has, was an early supporter of the New Pennsylvania Project. And he gave his name to our organization to help us fundraise for the work that we do. He, he, is, he is a man of his word. He's a man of his word. You can just tell he's, he's, a, he's a people person as well. So like I said, if we have more of those that are out there, because there, there are more people, other, there are other candidates in other states that, that are just like him, that have the same type of goal. They, they're thinking more about how they can help run their, run their county, their city with better. Before he even became a lieutenant governor, he was the mayor of his town. I don't remember the exact name. Braddock. Braddock, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. So... Before that even happened, he was the mayor of his town, and he he kind of moved his way up, yeah. you know. But he did it on a grassroots kind of level. It wasn't like he got with the big companies. I mean, I'm sure he has some affiliation with them now because of his position. But before that, it wasn't like he got with the big companies and was like, "Yeah, well, I'm gonna take your checks for my donations yeah. and my campaign." Yeah. And, but strictly for the people. I, you know, I also say courageous. Everything he's going through with the mental health Listen, issues the and, and, and and the yeah and the stroke and all the things that he's that he's highlighting and bringing to the surface. So I call courageous, courageous. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I I love that. I love that. Ty, go ahead, bro. Yes. Who was one of your heroes growing up? Growing up, so yes. I mean, you know, obviously it's going to be the, the family, right? Yes. So mom and dad are heroes to me. My mom, uh, first person in her family to ever graduate from college, mm. so hero mm. to me. Um, my dad, just a, a stand-up guy, you know. I got parents who have been married now for over fifty years, mm. and uh, so great. you know, I got to see black love. Yeah. So um, that was great and important for me to see. Um, heroes right now, you know, um, I always left out Baird Rustin. And, you know, he's getting a lot of attention now that the Obamas are putting together a, a film about him and all. But Bear Russell's from my hometown of Westchester, Pennsylvania. Mm. 
and Barrett Rustin, lead architect of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. And doesn't get a lot of credit. He's, no, he's about to get it. He should. Um, and so I lift him up wherever I go. I have a, he's in the back of my car right now. I have a poster board of his picture. It's on my, it's on the website yeah, there no, too. Yeah, I, I definitely seen it. I definitely seen and, uh, it. So I think yeah, he travels. It. He travels with me wherever <laughs> I go. And if I'm doing a rally or whatever, I bring him out of the back and I put him out in the forefront. You need that inspiration. <laughs> yep. You need that inspiration. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there folks, Ida B. Wells. I mean, I'm, I'm old school. Yeah. I'm real old school. Yeah. Right. So I'm talking Ida B. Wells. Yeah. Um, and you know those folks at the time. I, I you know I do this work to honor my ancestors. Mm. Uh, you know, Ty. I always say this about people. You know, sometimes, sometimes our lineage gives us clues to what we're going to be doing later in life. Um, we might not know when we're younger. We might not know what our parents do, what our grandparents do, what our great grandparents do. We know, we don't know their life, but you start researching, you start realizing like. Hey, I'm actually following in a lot of their footsteps without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, I mean, you told me the great story about your great grandfather, mm-hmm. which I, I think I'd love to make sure we capture because it was amazing. But in terms of voting, can you talk about the experience of why voting was important to you at a young age, yeah. what you witnessed? Yeah. Um, voting was important to me growing up because my mom took me to the polls when she went to vote. And that's why I know it's important. So, you know, she worked at Temple University early on when I was young. She worked at Temple. And so I was in Westchester. She was all the way in Philly. And uh, with latchkey kids, you know, I'm Gen X. We, we <laughs> raised ourselves. Right. We did. <laughs> we um, did. <laughs> so, you know, she came home from work and she'd make dinner and we'd eat. And then she said, let's head over to the polls and we'd go vote. And uh, she'd take my brother and I in there together and we'd see her. I don't know if it was pushing buttons or filling in circles at the time, but watching her do that and knowing how important it was to her and why she does that. So both my parents always voted. It was never an issue yeah. um, about that or whether or not we're going to vote or not. It was, we're always going to go. My dad worked a job where he was working 12 hours a day and he made his way to the polls somehow that day. Mm-hmm. This is before vote by mail, right? Yeah. So yeah. He, he made it in, you know, he's working a 12 hour shift, you know, you could miss it, yeah. um, but he found a way to go vote. I mean, it, so with that being said, like you said, you're old school. You, you follow your history, your personal history, as well as, you know, our, our history, yeah. our community history. Why has it changed from what it was to it now? We used to be a lot more into, at least our community took a lot more interest and engaged more in the voting mm-hmm. and what, what that entailed. Mm-hmm. But now it seems that our, our engagement has, fall, has fallen off, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what is it? What is it? Are, are we too complacent? Are we good? We feel like we're good. We don't need to vote for anything, or we just are we, are we tired of the politicians and their their you know their their promises not being kept? Pretty much, voter apathy exists in all communities right now. There's a lot of people out here just like I'm not voting anymore. Yeah, it's just not working. I'm voting and nothing is changing in my life. Um, and I think that the plan is working. And when I say the plan, I'm talking about the folks who are trying to disrupt democracy by saying we're not having free and fair elections. Yes. Their plan is working. Yes. Because when they put it out into the atmosphere, the elections aren't, aren't are rigged and they're not working out and they're not free and fair. Yeah. Then that's in your mind, yeah. you know. So that plan, that evil plan is working on some folks. Um, the other thing, too, I'll say is that, you know, there's been a lot of voting happening and a lot of people not seeing their lives change any differently from voting. Yeah. So, you know, voter apathy exists. We understand it as an organization. Yeah. We try to speak through it. Yeah. Um, I, I was like, how do, you, how, do you, how do you tackle that? Yeah. I mean, just having trying to have real conversations with people 
um, you know, we're meeting them where they are and having a real conversation. And our staff comes from the communities in which we center. Of course. Right? So the trusted messenger is someone who's living the same life as you. Yeah. And so when we can say, this is what brings change to your community. I remember knocking on doors in Harrisburg and Allison Hill. So if you're not familiar with Harrisburg, Allison Hill's, you know, a little complicated neighborhood, I'll say, an impacted neighborhood. And we had information that we believed that certain houses on the block were not registered to vote. So we went to those certain houses to get them registered to vote. Well, it turns out that, like, the whole block wasn't registered to vote. Mm. The whole block. And so when the whole block isn't registered to vote, the elected officials don't go to that block to ask for your vote because you're not voting, because you're not registered to vote. And therefore, you're not getting your potholes fixed on your road. You're yeah. not getting trash picked up the way it needs to. You're not getting your needs met because you're not voting. And why does an elected official who needs you to vote for them care about you if you're not going to be doing what you need to do for them to care? So you, you mentioned something in the video I watched that's on, on, on your site. You said that. This is something I didn't know, Ty. I don't know if you peeped this. You said when you go to your elected official's office, and you ask them to do something for you. The first thing they do is go look and see if you voted. They see if you're a constituent of theirs. Right. And then they'll check, check, they'll check to see if you're name. a voter. Yeah. They check your name, Ty. Yeah. So, so whether you vote or you don't vote, if you don't vote and you, and you have an issue and you go up there to see them and then you didn't vote for them or you didn't, you're not a vote, registered to vote, it's more than likely they're not going to assist you. Yeah. I mean, we are, voters are powerful. We have the power to vote folks in, our, in office or take them out of office. And if you're not using your power, you lose it. But that's, and, and isn't this my thing? Mm-hmm. We don't use that power enough. That, it's yes. more than just putting it, putting a name on a ballot and you putting that ballot in a box and then walking away. It's way more than that. It's not just let me just go write a name in or, or check a name on a box and put it in the ballot. Right. It's the work continues after November 7th. Right. Matter of fact, on, Ju- on the next January, when that comes up and their term is up, that's when you should be in their office like, hey, make sure this is one of your first priorities for, your, for whatever you're doing next. Yeah. You got two years, homie. So, and that's the thing, right? So, voting is just one thing. That's great. You voted. That's great. The next thing is actually advocating for what you need and showing up in your elected official's office and saying, I've had this. You know, I got people driving 50 miles an hour down my road when you're supposed to be driving 25 miles an hour. Yep. Right? And then you go to your elected official's office and you say, you need to do something about this. Yep. Um, Groundswell public opinion is when you can get three people in a room and talk about the same issue at the same time. And so you get you and two of your neighbors, and you go into your elected official's office, and you say, look, do something about this. Mm-hmm. they got to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And that is a, that's the power that you have as a voter. Um, that's the power that you have. So voting is one step, but then holding these elected officials accountable for what they told us they were going to do, that's step. the big one. That's the that's big, the big step. step. Yep. And we can do that, too. And I've done that multiple times. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, the, that, that's where the real, real work. Getting people to register to vote is a lot, it's work. Right. That's definitely work. But the real work starts after November mm-hmm. the 7th. That's when, okay, now you're elected. We got you in office. Yeah. Okay? Congratulations. Let's get to work. Come fix these things. Mm-hmm. That's why you, can see, you see more speed bumps in West Philly now right. than what you've seen before. People tired of hit, people running through the neighborhoods like right. that, you know? So, I mean, those, those are small things, right. but they're actually big things as far as safety, quality of life. That whole thing. You That's know? why we talk about these local municipal and judicial elections being almost 
they are more important than the presidential elections. Uh, every day of the week. Every uh, day of the all week. All the attention. Like, we still haven't voted here in 2023 yet. We're already talking about what's happening with the presidential election of 2024. I'm, I'm tired of people, when you go ask them, you know, are you going to vote this year? They're yeah. like, well, I only, only do it for the president yeah. or, the, or the, you know, that the presidential yeah. election. I'm like, well, that's, that's, that doesn't really even matter to your day-to-day. Mm-hmm. It's this year's election that mm-hmm. matters to your day-to-day. It's your county elections that matter to your day-to-day. It's your, it's, who, who's your county judge? Right. You, do you know who your county judge right. is? No, no. We well, need to find out who right. that person is because because you might end up in front of them. Right. So, and, and that's the one thing. In other other places around the the, the country, judges are not elected as they are in Pennsylvania. No. That's that's the one thing people don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, being from D.C., I know for a fact the judges are not elected. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when well, you can actually elect a judge right. and put somebody on on that makes that that's pretty much sometimes judge and jury. Right. When you give them that kind of power, you have they have to be held accountable. They have to be. Oh, absolutely. So if if you're not the, if you are the type of person that's like, you know, I don't want to vote. I don't vote this year. Or I decide not to or whatever, whatever. And I don't want to harm people. If you don't vote, that's on you. I'm just saying, you have to vote every year. To 2023. Twice a year. Twice a year. 2023, you vote like you said twice a year. The primaries and then the the, the uh, general election. Mm-hmm. Next was 2023 and then 2024. We have two elections back to back. So we have this year and then next year. If you're a Philadelphian or even around the, the, the counties in the area, you're going to vote this year right. and you're going to vote next year. Right. This year you're voting for your local. Right. Next year you're voting for your federal. Right. And, so, your, and your state reps. And your too. state reps. So yeah. it's, it's, it's imperative yeah. that we understand why this election right. is just as important as the one next year, if not more. Right. If not more, yeah. look, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, yeah. Ty. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Go ahead, bro. No, it's crazy y'all, y'all talking about this because I did a catering job in Edmonton for a church, and one of the members was a judge. And when he came in, it was like that's pretty much what it was to me. And I'm like, yeah. Well, I guess if they get into any problems or issues. He's a member. They know who to go to directly mm-hmm. to get things done. Mm-hmm. So I can understand what you're saying, get to know the judges and so on and so forth, because they can be, I guess, an asset for us. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, um, most people will never meet a judge. <laughs> most, yeah. me- most people will never meet a judge. Um, you'll never meet a candidate for judge mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. Um, that's changing now because we're starting to spend millions of dollars to elect judges now. Yes. Um, so you'll start seeing judges more often. What was that? Twelve, twelve point four million or something like that they spent on. Oh, that was the that was a record for for the Supreme Court. For the Supreme Court. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, so yeah, I mean, to know that you know a judge, that's that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll say this about Pennsylvania. So one of the other things we're advocating for, right, is uh, more diversity on Pennsylvania's courts. Um, only two of 31 appellate court judges in Pennsylvania um, identify as being a person of color. And there's two black women, right? So one on Superior, one on the Commonwealth. That's it. Wow. Yeah. I read somewhere, I think, I don't know if, if you mentioned it or, or I read it somewhere you mentioned, I think it was something like 18 states. We're one of 18 states in the country that only have uh, all-white Supreme Court. Yeah. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know if that's the number 18 now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we are one of the very few that don't have any people of color uh, sitting on our Pennsylvania Supreme Court. That says Court. a lot. Yeah. That says a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I think sometimes, too, uh, we, and, and we live in Philadelphia, so we're very jaded by our politics here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're thinking, well, you know, a black mayor, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a black DA, maybe a black sheriff, you know, 
Oh, oh, that's okay. And I mean, even we had a white mayor before, that's okay too. But I'm saying like, it's all democratic. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's a democratic side. Mm-hmm. Not democracy, but democratic. Mm-hmm. Small D. Small D. Yeah. I say all that to say, <laughs> when I look at how we don't think about, um, I lost train of thought on that one. We don't, we don't think about the importance of why judges have them, we, why we give them the power we give them, but we don't uh, adjust to what it is that we're doing, right? So if, if it's 18, if it's one, we're one of 18 states and it's only white Supreme Court judges, where are we going to get a fair, a fair shake? Mm-hmm. We're not going to get a fair shake. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, this might be an old school way, but Pennsylvania has definitely not changed in a lot of ways. You have Philadelphia, you have Pittsburgh, and in the middle, you have Alabama. That's what, what pretty much, that's the old school way people look at Pennsylvania. They, they do. And I'll say this, though, right? Wow. Black folks, we're everywhere. We are. And we are growing into these rural areas as well. We are. And imagine being, you know, very few in a big space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we are. We're, we're Philadelphia, we're Pittsburgh, and then we have the middle of this state. But the middle of this state is getting brown. Yes. And, um, and we need to make sure that we are... You know, helping folks out throughout the entire state. How does that? How does that change? And that change. I, I, I saw something that you said before. You said you were in, when you worked in politics. One of the things that that, that drove you crazy was the pace of change mm-hmm. and how slow it is, mm-hmm. and how it becomes <laughs> becomes a never ending cycle. Pretty much. What did that slow pace make you feel like? I'm never going to run or be an elected official, but I am going to emphasize and push forward. This this initiative that I have to not I have but my organization has to yeah. make sure that we get more people of color mm-hmm. on these on these particular ballots in these particular areas representing the people that are black and brown and and like you said now the rural areas you know they're they're moving from the Philadelphia areas to the Lancasters to the mm-hmm. Allentowns to mm-hmm. the you know what I mean they're moving more further into the state a cost of living is cheaper mm-hmm. that's what people don't realize Philadelphia is getting super expensive thanks mm-hmm. New York appreciate it. And then she's like, yep. <laughs> and then Pittsburgh is very similar as well, being close to just a lot of the Midwest areas. Um, what's, what's Ohio? What's Ohio's close to Pittsburgh. So yeah. Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And West Virginia at that, too. Right. Not too far away. So when you have that kind of, when you have those type of ideals, and in a lot of ways the people that represent those areas we're moving to, those things haven't changed. Yeah. How how do we adapt to that? How do we change that? How do we, I guess, push that progress forward? Well, we, so I'm never running for office, but there there are some <laughs> right. So, but but there are some. You know, we have to push for better representation. So uh, Pennsylvania now, our legislature is the most diverse it's ever been, right? So we've elected more Latinos, yeah, um, into those areas you mentioned in the Lancaster and, and Allentown and those areas, right? Um, we now have a black congresswoman out in Pittsburgh. So it's about making sure that those who want to run for office, um, we make sure that we get behind them and support them. And that's why it's important to vote in these primary elections Yes, that people skip. Yes. Um, so that's when you get to choose who you want, right? You yeah. get to choose who you want during the primary. Yeah. And particularly if you're living in a city like Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, the primary election is the general election. Yeah. Right? Because the city is so democratic. Yeah. That whoever wins most likely is going to is going to win the general election, so it's it's during those primary elections that people stay home that they need to come out, and this is when you run the person who who has your life experience. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. And you you know, and maybe they're not gonna win the first time or second time they run. But that they third might. time they just might. They just might. They just might. Shout out to Miss Leanna Road Cloud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The PA, uh, the, the, the Vice President Vice President of, of the of the Janeboro Council, yes. Leanna Road Cloud, had that same experience, ran twice, didn't win, stuck to it and and, and, and won finally. Right. So that perseverance and that that, that, that was my experience in eighth and ninth grade. See? <laughs> See, I lost in the eighth and the ninth grade and, it, and then I won tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. <laughs> See? She, she learned from her mistakes. What I do? What I do wrong yeah. last time? I, 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 right. I ran a good campaign. Yeah. Though. <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah. I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, okay, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You know, a few more questions. We gotta let you go. I know. I know. But um, so is it is it expanding the electorate, or is it having more candidates with different ideals? So instead of it being just a two party system. Is it is it is it better to have more parties or a larger electorate? Look, we're still stuck on closed primaries here in Pennsylvania. Mm, that you are. have to belong to a, one of the major political parties in order to even vote in the primary election. Yeah. So you know, I would love for us to not for this not to be a two party system, right? But in reality, right now, this is kind of what we're working with. Yeah, it is. And while this is what we're working with, we need to make sure those 1.7 million Pennsylvanians get registered to vote and start voting. Yeah. I mean, the Democratic side is full of different ideals, philosophies, beliefs. Mm -hmm. The conservative side or the Republican side doesn't seem to have very differing ideas or beliefs. Yeah. That has to be the reason. That's why I bring up should we have more parties? Because even on the Democratic side, it's a melting pot of different ideas and different people. Yeah. So because of that, this candidate might be Democrat, but not might not support the same issues that I support. Oh yeah, he might be a he or she might be a conservative Democrat yeah. and might not see the you know my progressive ideas being something that they would want right. to have. So how, like you said, this is what we're working with. Yeah, this, this is all we have right well, now. Well, I've heard this before. Someone said this. Let me see if I'm repeating this back correctly. They say uh, Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line, and progressive multiply. Due to division. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's a, that, hold, say that one more time. Yeah. Let me see if I say it again. So Democrats fall in love. Republicans fall in line. And progressives multiply due to division. So there needs to be, um, you know, opportunities for folks to feel like they're, they're feeling represented. It's a catch-22. It's like. It's the it's the it's the egg and the chicken, right? It's like, yeah. well, we would have more people getting registered to vote. There wouldn't be one point seven million if they thought there was candidates out there worthy of their vote, right? Maybe they'd get registered to vote. Yeah. But then at the same time, we need these folks to get registered to vote so their candidates can win um, when they're out there. So you know, it's chicken egg. It's catch twenty two. I think it all needs to happen at the same time. That'd be nice. <laughs> get it so all together too. at the same time. I think so too. Yeah. But you know, the Democratic Party often often makes it harder for any other party initially. An independent, a Green Party, yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, they make it hard for them to get the, the shine that they would need yeah. in order to get the votes that they would want to have, even in the primary. Yeah. So I find it to be kind of like, I'm not, I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent. And I believe in that because I don't support a lot of... I, not are you I, independent party or are you unaffiliated voter? I'm, I'm, I'm not an independent party. I'm an unaffiliated okay. voter. Which is different. Mm -hmm. So you have to. I, I'm Democratic leaning, mm -hmm. but I'm I'm unaffiliated. Yeah. Because I just feel like my ideals and what I believe and how I feel is not always one of the issues for that yeah. particular candidate. Um, sometimes I see candidates that don't look like me. Yeah. Or don't represent my ideals, mm -hmm. even if they are black men. So it's, it's not all skin folk or your kin folk. 
You said it, I didn't. Yeah. But <laughs> but I can't tell you I don't agree. I, mean, I do agree, rather. It, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I always feel like people... We're, we're always fighting in the Democratic Party. We don't realize how much we're fighting, but we are fighting. And I think, like, the progressive wing and then the, 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 the kind of central wing for the Democratic Party, everyone wants that. Joe Biden is a centralist. He's a centralist. He he's, might be Democrat, but he's very central to... to Although he's, he's passed some pretty progressive he, policies. He's had to, to be honest yeah. with you. He's had to. In order to retain those people that voted for him, yeah. he has to do mm -hmm. that. If he didn't, he, he's Catholic. He doesn't believe in abortion. But he has to support that. He has to. Yeah. And my thing would be, if you have candidates like that, that even though you're a particular, your, your personal ideals are one kind of way, your political ideals should probably be, be more a little bit more vast right. than just being so you know personal. Yeah. You have to realize who, 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 who's your consumer, pretty right. much, if I'm a business, right? right. Who's my consumer? You know, I, th I think we've gotten away from, you know, when all of a sudden is it like us as the constituents, like supporting this one candidate and their ideals. I thought it was supposed to be the candidate supporting their constituency's ideals. So why, how, why all of a sudden are we like letting these candidates be the superheroes of, of the story here, right? Like it is the constituents, it is the voters who are the superheroes and it is the constituents who the candidates are supposed to be representing. Yep. I think, 2020, I think 2016 did that. I think 2016 did that. And it changed, it changed, at least on one side for sure, it changed the way people looked at their their candidate instead of looking at their their policies and their their beliefs they looked at kind of like what they represent mm -hmm. as far as godly figures yeah you know what i can follow my mm -hmm. hero yeah um you know here's the big one we talked earlier about you know trying to get people to overcome um the voter apathy some people just don't know how how politics work right yeah like you're mad at joe biden for something that you should be mad at your mayor for yeah for right? sure or you're giving credit to Donald Trump for those PPP checks yeah. when he didn't want you to get them, <laughs> right? But you're like, oh, I rock with Donald Trump because yeah. he got me that $4,000 PPP check. Yeah. Well, yeah, he wanted his name signed on it after it got passed. He didn't support it. Yeah. But once it was coming out there, he wanted his signature on that letter that you received with that check. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. People have this idea of who, who they think is supposed to do what yeah. and when, and yeah. they have it all confused. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Ty, yes, Ty. This this advocating is it's like in your blood, you know. Is this like a family thing? Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I mean, well, number one, I'm a black woman, so yeah. my life is political. Yes. So <laughs> I've always been in, into into protecting um, my personhood, mm -hmm. and um, so for me, yeah, this is this is in the family. You know, I had a great aunt who was into campaigns. This is before Southern Strategy, right? Let's talk about that for a second. Um, I'm, I'm about to go off on a tangent. I want to get back to that, but yeah, we should go on that tangent. Yeah. Right I, I need to hear that one. <laughs> but um, she, you know, she worked on the Eisenhower campaign. He's Republican, Yo. right? But wait, 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 wait. This before Southern. This is Southern Strategy time before the switch. Before the switch. This is right. before the switch. Yeah, this is like right at the switch with Eisenhower. Mm. So, you know, I have uh, family members who worked on the Eisenhower campaign. I have, you know, I worked on Obama's campaign in 2008, right? So, you know, this is just something that is, is in my family. I talked earlier um, off, off the, the microphone here about my great-grandfather yeah. and um, the lineage that I come from and how I do this work to honor my ancestors. Knowing my great-grandfather, you know, was in this type of work as well. 
um, and was pushed by the greats like Booker T. Washington. Um, that was his circle. Um, Ida B. Wells, that was his circle. So it is in, in my blood. And, um, you know, this, uh, I'm just always going to try to fight for the, for the little people. And I think I'm one of the little people, so I'm going to continue to fight for us. That's love. Hold up, time to do Radio ID. You listen to WPEB Radio 88.1 FM, 95.1 FM, West Philadelphia. So, can you talk a little bit about your grandfather, your great grandfather? Yeah. Yeah. You, you told it. You gave us a, a profound story before we started. Family. It was off. It was offline, and um, it was. It took me back so much. I'm. I'm. A, I'm a super history buff. So when she started telling this story, I was very much intrigued, and yes. I would love for her to share this yeah. with us. Uh, for share with the family. So go right ahead. I'm sorry. All right. So I'm a journalist by trade. So one day this will be a documentary. Listen. So. All right, copyright this right yes, now. Yes, yes, please do. Okay, so um, my great-grandfather. So we talk about, you know, people think slavery was so long ago. Like, and after the emancipation, all problems went away, right? So my great-grandfather, just one great-grandfather, right? So we, you've probably met your great-grandparent. You've met a great-grandparent? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So mine just happens to be older because folks have kids old in my family. So my great-grandfather was born right before Emancipation Proclamation. He was the son of his master. And this was um, in um, Aberdeen, Mississippi. He was mm. born on an Aberdeen, Mississippi plantation. And somehow, some way, his mother uh, got him through and got him into college. And he graduated from Fisk University in Tennessee. Wow. Um, and he went on to uh, become one of the most wealthiest men in all of Memphis. Um, he started off as a school teacher, and then he became a businessman. And, and I say, don't, don't look for me for this money because the generational wealth did not continue on because, um, like many successful black businessmen of that time, he was assassinated in 1911 in front of one of his businesses. Now, he opened up a bank at the insistence of Booker T. Washington. He opened that bank up with Robert R. Church, um, you know, father of um, Mary Church Terrell. Right. So we're talking civil rights icons. Oh, icons. So this is this is who my great grandfather traveled with. And um, he was shot in his stomach um, on Bill Street in front of one of his businesses in 1911. And my grandmother, my dad's mother, was one years old at the time. And uh, they continued to stay in Memphis for a little bit uh, until they migrated to Chicago like so many black people did. And that's where, um, the, that's where the rest of the family picks up. So my dad was born in Chicago. But my great-grandfather, you know, one of those folks, um, he was trying to make sure that black people had access to loans and wealth. Mm -hmm. uh, started a black bank. It was the first black bank in America with at least a million dollars in assets. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. A million dollars back then, no time. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine how much that was. A million dollars back then is probably like $30 million now. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. No, it's probably way more than that. A million dollars back then is probably more like half a million or half a billion right now. Because of how the money worked, that exchange rate, inflation, all that kind of stuff. But that is an enormous amount of money to have on hand, and assets and, and cash right. for any institution. Right. And I, I'm, I have a background in banking, so I'm, I, you talk about it, I'm like, oh, let, let, let me let me go dive into this <laughs> a little bit. But um, the I, the fact that he had his own bank, <laughs> Ty. Yeah. I mean. I, we need that now. Uh, listen, bro, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> like, you took them out of my mouth. Yeah. Like, literally. Like, th that, is, that is something that we need now. And there is more of us who have that kind of wealth who, you know, 
I would love to have a different kind of way of us surviving in that manner. You know, back then it was a little bit different though because we we couldn't go to a bank. We had to go to a black bank to get the funding, right? Mm-hmm. We had to go to us in order to get funded for things, a house or anything else. Nowadays it's not like that. You know, you can go to anybody and get funded. You can go anybody get a loan. You don't have to be. It doesn't matter if you go to a black bank or not. That, you know, that's where it is. Yeah. Um, so I, I find that I love the story. Mm-hmm. I, I, I greatly appreciate it because I, again, I'm such a history buff. I I love history. You know, if I could go down and tell you about my own my own family lineage, I love it. This is just something yeah. I live for, and. To hear that these are the things that that you can actually attest to from your own family um, is phenomenal. It's honorable. It's something that I'm just like, wow, yeah. taken back by it. I'm sure if you you being in the family, this being your great grandfather, yeah. you must have been like, wow. And I just learned of this not too long ago because they didn't talk. You know, we don't talk about everything in the family. Yeah, right? we keep some things secret. Yeah, some so, things are too painful for us to talk yeah, about. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just found out about this not too long ago, um, and my and my dad just found out about his grandfather not too long ago. Um, you know, you know, you didn't t- you didn't talk about Wild Bill. Wild Bill. Oh, Wild Bill Atora. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is 1906 now. So he was assassinated in 1911. Five years later, he so, was assassinated. Yeah, five years okay. later, he was assassinated. But in 1906, this man named Wild Bill Latora, a known gangster in Memphis. Um, he was to shake down black businesses. He used to walk up and down Bill Street and get his cut from these various businesses. And on this one day, you know, my great-grandfather said, not today, <laughs> not today. And they had a shootout in his saloon. And my great-grandfather shot down at Wild Bill Latora as he was downstairs coming, up for, coming upstairs to get his, his shake, his, his share of the, of the money for the day. Um, and the both of them got taken away in a police car together. Um, and my great grandma, black man, I mean, he's mulatto, they call him mulatto at the time, right? Um, black man at the time, um, he survived that because while Bill Latoro had a, a shank with him in the car as they were getting taken away in the police car. And uh, one of the police officers actually saved his life. He saw it and uh, stopped Wild Bill Latoro from, from shanking him. Wow. Yeah. Well, what was Wild Bill's reputation? He is a known gangster who killed multiple black people in Memphis. Um, shaking down their businesses, and uh, was never arrested for his crimes, never served time for his crimes. Wow. And, and you, you can Google this man, Wild Bill Latora. Yeah. There's a YouTube video, a yeah. recreation of one of the instances where he was taking black lives um, in his shakedowns. You better believe I'm going to be uh, researching that. When, as soon as I get home, Ty yep, probably going to be doing the same thing. thing. We yep. probably going to have a whole pile while about it afterwards because that's what we do. Ty, go ahead, man. November the 7th is down the street and around the corner. What would you like to see happen? I want us to prove folks wrong, and I want us to come out in record numbers. Um, Odd-year elections turnout is going to be typically below 30%, typically below 25%, maybe 20%. So we need to do better than that. Hmm. We need to come out and we need to vote in this election. You know, Philadelphians have an opportunity to make history. First black uh, woman mayor could happen here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, you know, Allegheny County has some history things that, you know, historical things that can happen out there the way they vote. Um, historical things that can happen out in Chester County with black women running um, for common police courts and all kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, this is an opportunity for you to come out and make your voice heard mm-hmm. in this important election. These local municipal judicial elections impact your daily life. They do. Your daily life. And we don't come out and vote in them in the numbers in which we should. And so please do that. So vote by November 7th. If you requested a vote by mail ballot, 
It should have already been in the mail. If you didn't put it in the mail, then you find a drop box and you drop it off yourself and make sure your voice gets heard. But we have to vote um, by November 7th. Yeah, th listen, those are all instructions. If you, didn't, if you didn't get the instructions, you need to make sure you go find them. You can definitely go to New Pennsylvania Project, their website. You can check out all the information, what you need to know about mail-in ballots, what you need to know about Election Day. Um, get your friends together on Election Day. Hopefully everyone's registered to vote. I know it's probably too late to register to vote now. It's too it? late to register to vote. It's also too late to get a vote by mail ballot if you didn't ask for one. Um, What's the, what yesterday. is the time period between being registered and the first, the first time that you're allowed to vote? Um, so it's two weeks period. Two so weeks. There, yeah, there's two weeks period. So there's okay. a two week period where, you know, board of elections are doing other things, getting ready for the election. They can't process your gotcha. voter registration application. So two weeks before the, before the election is when you should definitely, that's the deadline that's to the register deadline. to vote. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that, Ty. I was about to say, a lot of people probably don't know that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah know October that. 23rd was the last day to get registered to vote and time to vote in this election. And what about mail-in ballots? When's the last time you can send that in? So you can... I recommend you should have had them in the mail already right. with the Postal Service. Um, so now you need to drop them off at a drop box. So if we're talking, we're in Philadelphia now, you can go down to City Hall and drop it off. Okay. Um, and you can, you know, do that. But you need to do that before 8 p.m. on Election Day. And what's the time frame for, for mail-in ballots? Like, you know, like um, registering to vote is two weeks, so mail-in ballot is, what, a week? Before the election, you have to have it in, in the drop box? or You have to have requested a a vote by mail ballot okay. application. Yeah, you apply for it um, by October 31st. So yesterday was the deadline. Yesterday was the deadline for that. See, Todd, this is the information I'm talking about. Yeah. So it was a week before for mailing ballot and two weeks before for registering the vote. Yeah. We always talk about how our people are not educated on the process and what takes place, you know. So you shared some great information no, with you, us. You shared yeah. some phenomenal information. Yeah. You really have. You've been dropping it so much. Well, here's, here's the good news. So if you missed the October 23rd deadline, and you're going to miss this election, Please don't miss the next one. No. So go out and find, um, you know, find organizations like ours who are registering you on the ground. We were outside, you know, 69th Street, getting folks registered to vote. We're everywhere. We're meeting people where they are and getting them registered to vote. Hey, don't, don't come down 69th Street and tell me you, that, you know, <laughs> don't come past my, my, my neck of the woods and, and don't tell me you're in my neck of the woods. <laughs> I'll be mad. I mean, ho, 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 ho. I'm going right down the street. Let me get, let me get my clock. Let me go on the street. <laughs> but I'll hang and get with, get with MPP because this is where, where I need right. to be. You know right. what I mean? So... Tell, can you tell us about, um, can you tell rather the listeners um, where they can look up information about MPP, your social media plugs, all yeah, that good yeah. stuff? Uh, so definitely go to our website, uh, newpaproject.org. Um, you can find us there. You can find us in all the social medias um, at New Pennsylvania Project. Uh, I think it's at New Pennsylvania for Twitter, but New Pennsylvania Project um, on Facebook. We're on YouTube. You know, we're on, on all the things. Just Google New Pennsylvania Project and all our things pop up. Definitely. Definitely. Ty, anything you want to say to before we let it go, man? You're busy. When do you sleep? <laughs> yeah. Um, November 8th. <laughs> as long as there are no shenanigans and, you know, no ruckus and we're able to securely vote on November 7th, I will be sleeping all day on November 8th. Hardworking. She's a hardworking woman, Ty. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, just thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, like really. No, like, it truly, it truly is my my pleasure. It truly is my pleasure. Like you, I, I'm sitting here. Uh, sometimes I'm dumbfounded. Sometimes I'm like just astounded by the type of stuff that you, the knowledge that you know about this this type mm -hmm. of information. Of course, you should. It's it's your it's what it's your field. It's your expertise. Mm -hmm. Of course, you should. But at the same time, like you know so much. And because you're in Harrisburg as frequently as you are, because you canvass, because you talk to the constituents, because you talk to the voters who haven't who haven't registered yet. Because you have this experience, your wealth of knowledge and expertise, it, you can't put a price tag on it. Yeah. You know, you can't have somebody say, hey, well, 
you know, I don't know anything about it. You have such knowledge of these things, and not just here in Pennsylvania, but also in North Carolina, also in other places. And <laughs> I mean, we could you probably done some stuff in DC. I don't know about, but you know, so it's not just in your blood, but it's something that you that you it's it's a natural cause for it's, you. This is a this is a passion of mine. Yes, I do not have children. So yes. this this is my legacy. Yes. This is my legacy. I say it all the time. I'm organizing myself out of a job. I'm trying to create uh, leaders to take this role from me mm. when, when I'm done with this, mm. pass this torch. I'm also, this is a black woman-led organization. Um, you know, so I feel that chip on my shoulder. Yeah. And I feel like if I don't get this right, then maybe there's not another opportunity for someone who looks like me to have this opportunity that yeah. I currently have. Yeah. So I take all that with me. And you can't fake passion. <laughs> you really can't. Um, you can't fake passion. And I'm very passionate about this. Um, you know, this is what I do. And if I'm only sleeping four or five hours a night, it's because I'm doing something that I love. Yeah. And uh, being able to provide civic education to my people um, and communities, people who look like me, young folks. I was saying to you earlier, you know, if I'm having a bad day, you mm -hmm. know, it's just mm -hmm. it's just too much and it's just stressful. I take myself over to the naturalization ceremonies mm -hmm. um, and see new um, new citizens become citizens of yeah. the United States, and they are waving flags and they are excited. Yeah. And uh, we get them registered to vote. We've registered thousands of them last year. Mm. Um, right after their ceremony, they got they be, took the the oath, put the hand up, took the oath, and within twelve seconds, we were there with the clipboard, <laughs> like let's get you registered to vote. Get you ready? Let's get you in there. So a good I, move. I spend time there um, with new citizens. I spend time in schools. I love going on um, college campuses, in high schools. Um, Senator Hughes invites me a lot of times. To, oh yeah. to, you know to do. I'm going into schools and talk about what it is I do for a living. Oh yeah, because we need more people to do what I do. Right. Not everybody can be a basketball player. No. Yeah. Someone's got to do this work, too. Yeah. Um, so I love speaking to the students. I love going on college campuses. You know, these kids today are so smart. They have access to so much information. They are. And they get it um, so much more than we probably ever did. So I love spending time with the kids. The, ki the kids, the kids, even the youth, even the ones that are 18 years of age, they are they're exposed to more than we were. Mm -hmm. You know they have they have more understanding and more there's more access to yeah. it. There's more information out there. Yeah. I see my daughter watching some some Bing Bok on YouTube with people eating food, and she she's I'm like, what is this? She's just people eating, and people just you know they just love to watch people eating. I'm like, what is this? But it's over in Asia. Right. I didn't have any anything no. like that when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. I don't think the internet was even popping until until '98, like to yeah. I really, after high school. It was me. there. It just wasn't available to us. Yeah, like yeah. this. I mean, so you just got to know these kids. These kids have a wealth of information at their fingertips. Oh yeah. And you know they're going to be more advanced. My mom used to say they come to us weaker and wiser. Yeah. And the weakness comes from just just the things that they're exposed to makes them a little bit more subjective to the to those experiences. But they're wiser because of the knowledge that they gain oh, yeah. on a regular basis. And, you know, they recognize the inequities. Yes. And it's very easy to talk to them about why we need to fund public schools yes. in a different way, right? They yes. understand what's happening on one side of city line and what's happening on the other side of city line. Yeah. They see it. They're not stupid. They're not, they're not and, stupid and, at all. They and, see that. And that's the problem I have with the politicians. Yeah. Because they, they, they don't look at them mm -hmm. as, as understanding. Yeah. Of all these kids that want to fight, I mean, these kids are, are down to fight against gun control or fight fight for gun control mm -hmm. fight for those things like you know lowering lowering the cost of education yeah. all of these things they are out there and they are mobilized yeah. so why the politicians don't pay attention to them or don't give them the clout right. or don't bring their issues up to the forefront 
makes no sense and, to me. And they need to because it's, it's more the, it's the youth vote. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it was the youth vote that really drove that 2020 election and the results that we had here in Pennsylvania. Yes. It is going to be the youth vote that protects us in 2024 as well. Yes. And so you can sleep on, on these uh, 17 to 35-year-olds if, if you, you want, want to. to. I'll always say the youth vote got Obama elected. There no, yeah. no, and people be like, no, that's not. Yeah, the yeah. youth vote got Obama elected. Mm-hmm. He mobilized, yep. mobilized them because they felt like they could relate to him yeah. and connect to him. Yep. And that we don't have that right now necessarily. So no. I mean, it's got you know, it's not going to be another Obama, but that we have to find people that that represent us. So, oh, Kadita, yeah. yes, Sister Kenna, it's been great. I can't thank you enough yeah. for coming on tonight. You have done your thing. Um, I, I mean that's 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 love. You you really dropped some information on us. Um to end our project here at WPEB, Every Voice, Every Vote, West Philly Project, I think this was the perfect it was the perfect person to have on and talk to us about voting. Yes. Um I was I was at Telltie, I was getting we were getting the, the guests on together and I was just sending out generic emails at times. You know, you would make them whatever. And your colleague hit me back, and when I, one of the first people to hit me back, I was so shocked. I was like, whoa, 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 hell, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. yeah, New Pennsylvania Project. Yeah. Yes, we will definitely do this. <laughs> so please give Eric my regards. Please mm-hmm. tell him thank you for setting this up. I really appreciate you coming on tonight. Is there anything you want to say to the family, Just not just about voting, but just, you know, just in general? Anything you want to say to them before you leave? Go birds. <laughs> Go birds. Hey, that's a Dallas fan right there. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you waited to the end of this interview for that because I would have been dropping things throughout the entire conversation if I knew he was a Dallas fan. I'm sorry for you. Oh Go birds. Fly, eagles, fly. I love it. I love it. Oh no, no, fam. We're gonna take a quick break. Now you can call us with your comments and your questions at 215-472-0881. Again, that's 215-472-0881. You can also email us at Jimmy Bonds Podcast at gmail.com. Again, it's Jimmy Bonds Podcast at gmail.com. It's J I W M Y B O N D S Podcast at Gmail.com. It's the Jimmy Bonds Podcast right here on W P E B Radio, eighty eight point one FM, ninety five point one FM. Go birds. Welcome back to WPB Radio 88.1 FM, 95.1 FM, West Philadelphia. I'm family, you always call us with your comments and your questions at 215-472-0881. Again, that's 215-472-0881. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. It's J-I-W-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. And family, that's going to wrap our show for the night. We ask you guys to always, always, always... Continue to listen to us each and every Wednesday, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here at WPEB Radio, 88.1 FM, 95.1 FM, or at Scribe, Scribe.org. You can check us out at Scribe.org. You can hear all of our previous shows from the Every Voice, Every Vote project, West Philly Voices. And you're also going to check out all of our other fantastic broadcasters and shows we have here out of the radio station. Um, I appreciate you guys for all that you do. Uh, Let's make sure we keep this thing going. So as usual, let's spread love, not hate. Let's spread truth, not lies. So until the next episode, you can find me on Go Hope Road. Screaming, stay up, don't sleep in your dreams. For my boy Ty, T.Y. Rama, I'm Jimmy Bonds, and we out. Peace.